Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In a political campaign that features a billionaire and at least two millionaires, Alex Paterakis stands out for what he doesn't have. A big campaign war chest, great name recognition, years of experience as a political candidate, among others. But he also has no fears or lack of confidence in the race for governor. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is one of the uh, at least eight Democrats running for governor in a primary to unseat incumbent Republican Bruce Rauner. He's Alexander Paterakis. He's the youngest of the men running for governor. He's 29. He is also an engineer and an entrepreneur. He was born in Skokie. He earned his degree in engineering from Purdue University. He has worked for construction companies and he has started two businesses and works to employ veterans. Now he's running for governor. In the next half hour, we're going to talk about why and how. Well, Alex Paterakis, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, you are a young man with an engineering degree, experience as a structural engineer, and you've got obvious drive. So why would you want to be governor instead of a young guy with talent who could land a high-paying job? A lot of people ask me that question, and they say, "Why Illinois is so screwed up. Why do you want to, you know, why do you want this job? And because I like a challenge and I love Illinois and I want to make sure that my niece that grows up in Illinois, um, my family that stays in Illinois, has a prosperous future in Illinois. And I don't want to see this state burn to the ground. But what is it about your vision for Illinois that sets you apart from the rest of the Democratic field, presumably who also want to see Illinois go in the right direction? It's all about the economy. And a lot of my Democratic rivals will say, you know, we need certain things, school funding, all that, which is great. We need that. But a lot of families are struggling in Illinois. And the middle class has been promised constantly that they are going to be helped. Yet we have the highest property taxes almost in the nation. Our sales taxes affect the poor, don't affect the rich. And pretty much it's tough to live in Illinois. And a lot of people are leaving. And I want to stop that. Not a lot of Democrats have talked about that. Well, there has been a lot of talk about the economy at least on the campaign trail. Everybody has a plan mm-hmm. for bringing jobs to the uh, to the state. You have no real experience or background in politics. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce, Bruce Rauner was a businessman with no political background, and things haven't run exactly mm-hmm. smoothly for him uh, so far. So why would you fare better as a business person uh, who yeah. would want to run the state? Well, Bruce Rauner is a venture capitalist. He's in the business of consolidating companies and making profits. I'm in the business of hiring people and making families be able to live in this state. Half of my employees are veterans, and I'm very proud of that. And I know by helping small business grow, by bringing manufacturing jobs back, high technology jobs, with some tax levies to bring those, those startups and those industries into the state, we'd prosper even further. Um. 
How could you do that, though? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, the it's, yeah. it's not so much what you want to do, but how do you bring those jobs back? How do you help those yeah. businesses? Well, we offer tax initiatives to corporations, and there's nothing wrong with that. Corporations bring many jobs in Illinois, but when, what ends up happening, happened during Quinn's um, term, is that you they, they promise that they're going to bring 3,000 jobs, 4,000 jobs, and when we give them the tax breaks, they end up, not not living up to those promises. And what I would do is small business are our highest growth incubators for jobs in the state and should be, is do something like New York did, which is uh, for certain industries, manufacturing, high technology, for new businesses that want to start in Illinois, give them, invest in them, give them a little bit of a tax levy so they can hire more people, hire those people at a higher rate and survive those early years that most businesses fail, and then say, you know what, we've given you a tax break for two years. You're going to stay, you're going to promise you're going to stay an additional two to four years, and you're going to thrive in this state. And I think that would bring multitude of businesses into the state. Now, how do you enforce that? Do you take something away from them if they decide all of yeah. a sudden, you know what, we're, we're actually going to move our factory to, uh, to Mexico? Yeah. So what you do in that case, if you provide them, let's say, two years of a tax levy um, for working in the state of Illinois, they owe you two to four years here. If they decide to leave in those two to four years, they owe you a penalty of what those taxes would be plus an additional fee. So you're investing in people, and if those people determine at some point that they don't want to stay here, then they pay a fine and pay a penalty to leave the state. Um, let's talk a little bit for a minute about the businesses that yep. you you have uh, have run. What, mm-hmm. what, what are they? What do they do? Yep. So um, we started doing outdoor gear, and we do a couple, a couple retail stores and um web presence. I do. I'm probably the only progressive Democrat in the United States that holds a federal firearms license. And the reason I do have um, sell firearms is because I'd rather have people buy them from me, get the training that they need, get the, you know, so they know how to be responsible with them, how to store them, and accidents don't happen. I think where a lot of Democrats miss the whole gun control debate is that guns are always going to be part of the United States unless there's major, major change. So I wanted to make sure that People were able to obtain them legally, are able to train with them, and are able to know what to do and how to store them so that they're the most safe if they choose to exercise their right to own firearms. But, well, while we're on the topic, let's talk about, because part of the problem with crime in uh, Illinois and primarily in the Chicago area is the flow of illegal guns into the area. But all guns start out legal. And at some point, they go into the dark market. Uh, how do you keep guns from being sold by unscrupulous dealers, people who uh, may mm-hmm. want to sell you know, a, a yeah. ton of guns to somebody and knowing that they're not really qualified to buy them? Yeah. So in the state of Illinois, we have a FOID card program, which is an additional background check on top of background checks you get for every pistol or handgun or rifle. And what you see is a lot of illegal guns coming over from Indiana. So what we need to do is make sure that, first off, that that, those, that illegal gun trade stops and that the people that are you know hold illegal firearms are punished to the full extent. And that's what needs to happen. Um, Chicago's had, you know, the largest gun control in the United States, and they've spent millions and millions of dollars on, you know, concealed carry laws and things like that, and they've lost... So the, the answer is getting in and 
getting into these communities, getting law enforcement integrated within these communities like they used to be in the 50s and 60s, understanding that, you know, they want to work together to get crime off the streets. That's number, that's first and foremost. And punish people that have illegal firearms to the full extent of the law. Make sure that if you, if you get caught, you're not going to get caught again because you won't be, have the chance to get caught again. So Mayor Emanuel had pushed for and finally got uh, Governor Rauner to sign uh, legislation mm-hmm. that does increase the penalties for people who are caught with yeah. guns, I- illegal guns. Yeah. Uh, you support that effort? Yeah. I mean, there's legal firearm owners out there, and they deserve you know, to be able to get what they deserve, which is legally owning firearms per the Constitution. And um, I'm just there to make sure that those individuals get trained properly so that we minimize the amount of accidents that happen um, of storage or improper use. Um, and for illegal guns, definitely. I think, you know, if you harbor illegal firearms, you should be punished to the full extent of the law. Let me ask one other thing about guns before we yeah. move on, and that's some lawmakers propose uh, laws that would tighten up or hold responsible people who don't secure their guns the way they should properly. Mm-hmm. Um, the National Rifle Association has opposed those kinds of things. What's your feeling about laws that actually make impose a penalty yeah. if someone gets hold of your gun because you didn't lock it up? Now, I agree with any safety measure that we can have. And, the you know, firearm is a right, but it's also a responsibility. And I'm for any laws that increase the... Um, responsibility of the gun owner to make sure that gun's safe and that they're properly trained. Okay, let me ask a yep. uh, more of a political question about this race. Because, you know, as I pointed out at the beginning, you are not a multimillionaire right. or a billionaire. Yep. Uh, how do you run an effective campaign without the millions that it seems to take these days to run for a statewide office? There are judgeships yep. that have spent more than a million dollars. Yeah, money has leaked into the whole campaign process and either have to, you know, have a large corporation backing you, large donors backing you, or you have to be a millionaire, billionaire that gets you to the table. And the grassroots, I know that's used a lot, but the grassroots movement that we put together through social media and the volunteer structure, that's worth more to me than any amount of dollars. I rather the money that people spend goes to charities and goes to things that are worthwhile. Imagine if the presidential election between uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, $1.5 billion of spend, maybe if that went to something good and uh, some charity, you know, in the, and where'd it go? It went to advertising agencies. So I understand big money gets you to the table, but there's also something to say about the people that believe in what you're doing and the effort and the volunteers that, you know, actually execute your plan to, um, your, execute your vision. Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about governing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, including our an incumbent governor, uh, say government should be run like a business. But uh, I'm sure you uh, can see that businesses and governments are kind of different. Mm-hmm. Uh, a boss or a governor can't just say or just say yeah. do something and it gets done. There are lawmakers, lobbyists, unions, courts. How do you navigate all of that, especially if you haven't had to do that yeah. in one form or another before? You know, most people have think, think nowadays it's either the left or the right, and there's no room for compromise. And we've seen that year over year. And Bruce Rauner came into um, the governorship saying that he's an expert negotiator. He can get things done. But all he's done is divide and try to divide and conquer and put wedges between groups of individuals. 
And that's not a way to govern anybody. He only governs a select few, not the entirety of the state. And what I intend on doing is working with the people, working with legislatures. Business and government are totally different entities. I agree with you in all capacities. And you work with individuals that are experts in the area, let's say like Andy Maynard in, uh, for the education bill. He's an expert in education. You work with those people on both sides of the aisle to get something done. And unfortunately right now, you got a lot of people both in the federal and state level that just decide it's my way or the highway and that's it. And we're going to let this thing burn while we hold firm. Do you see House Speaker Michael Madigan as one of those people or, or not? Michael Madigan, I disagree adamantly on a lot of issues. There's been a lot of issues. He's been Speaker of the House longer than I've been alive, if that says anything. And there's things about property taxes, sales taxes, um, income taxes, which all put the burden on the middle class or the lower econ- or people that are poor. And I don't agree with that. The people that should be the richer people of the state of Illinois should have a higher tax burden. So there's little things like that in Mike Madigan. Now, I give him credit. He's the only one keeping the Bruce Runner agenda and the destructive nature of Bruce Runner off the table. And I applaud him for that. But I do disagree with, you know, a decent amount of his policies and the inaction of the last 20 to 30 years. So how would you work with him if he, in many aspects, would be going in a different direction than you? If he's going a different direction, there's always room for compromise. Um, We've had Republican governors during my, I think, two or three at this point, um, Republican governors under the tenure of Michael Madigan. And if you bring a big enough movement, and it seems like some of these issues are coming to fruition now about education, income tax, being a progressive income tax, there's definitely room to to negotiate with somebody. And if you have enough of the vision and can preach that to the Senate and the House, there's room to move. And Bruce Rauner decides to call the man corrupt. And I can tell you the first thing about negotiating is don't call the person you're negotiating with a name or a bad name, which would be corrupt. Um, You are like most of the Democratic candidates in saying that Illinois needs a progressive income tax. Uh, Even when there was Democratic control Mm -hmm. of the governor's office and the House and the Senate, that did not get done. Nope. Uh, so how could you succeed in an atmosphere where, yeah. you know, it's still uh, similar to what it was before? Well, I'm glad everyone's talking about it now. But what we missed out with this latest budget plan was an, an opportunity, maybe not get, because we have to, to get progressive income tax, you have to change the Constitution. Many people are, are worried about that because you open Pandora's box, lobbyists come in, everything like that. So what we could have done with this last budget proposal, and I was very disappointed it didn't happen, is that we can offer, we raise the rate to a certain amount, it was uh, like say 7%, but offer tax credits and tax rebates for certain individuals that make under $250,000 and then you know tier it, the system downward, so that the effective income, rate, uh, income tax rate would have been the 3.75 for people that make under $100,000. And that would have been a temporary fix but it would have been a fix we could have implemented right now. But instead, we decided to raise everyone's income tax to the same amount. And I think that's going to be a, a marching call for Bruce Rauner, unfortunately, in this next election. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Alex Paterakis. He is a Democratic candidate for governor. Um, the difficulties of passing a progressive income tax notwithstanding, you also want to freeze property taxes. Yeah. That cuts revenue needed to run 
local governments and mm-hmm. sometimes local schools. How do you raise more revenue? Yeah, so you raise more revenue through um, two different ways, or a couple different ways. One is keeping people in the state. Um, the more the more taxpayers that leave this state, the less revenue that we get. If we bring jobs and opportunity into Illinois, not only are you getting sales taxes, you're getting property taxes, and you're getting income taxes. And unfortunately, as people leave because they think their taxes are too high or they're not getting the social services to take care of their parents or their children or the education for their children, they're leaving. And we're the people that stay here are the ones, you know, with the burden. They just keep having to fill the gaps, so we have to pay more. And I think it's an unfair um, service right now for the the service to the people on our property taxes, which are one of the highest in the nation. And so, how do you fund education? Because sixty, I think sixty four percent of all property taxes in most communities go to uh, education. So, what do you do? And that's just properly funding our K through twelve education. The state lottery, which was supposed to be one hundred percent going to education, only twenty four percent goes to education. So, if we have new revenue streams such as the legalization of cannabis or select gambling, and I I take that with, you know, precision, because most casinos that are put in areas of just lower economic areas, we need to put slot machines and gaming machines in O'Hare Airport and take advantage of the people that are coming through long layovers. And I think that'd be an amazing revenue service um, to the state of Illinois, including legalization of cannabis. And when we do raise taxes and new taxes in the state, I am for partial lockboxing of those revenues because what's happened is a new tax is raised. You see that with the soda tax in Chicago. No one knows where it goes. They're saying, oh, it's to fill gaps. No one knows where that tax goes. Any new tax has to have a purpose. And because of the sins of the past of legislature saying, oh, it's going to go here, here, we need to partially lockbox those new taxes until the legislatures uh, um, learn their lesson. How much revenue do you believe legalizing uh, marijuana, cannabis would have? Anywhere between $200 million and $300 million a year. Um, if we have a progressive income tax, that would raise for billionaire or millionaires, that would raise an additional $1 to $2 billion based on projections. And then keeping, you know, 10%, slowing down our attrition rate of the state by 10% would add billions to our um, economy. Now, for the uh, legalization of uh, marijuana, actually for both of them, yeah. how do you get them through a legislature that has gambling bills have been notoriously hard to pass. Yeah. Uh, how do you get that through? Well, legalization of cannabis, I'd love to see through referendum, if at all possible. I let the people choose, and most people in Illinois would choose that. For legalization of gambling, we've done a very large disservice to people because we've sold these um, licenses for you know $100,000, $200,000 when they're worth billions and billions of dollars. So we'd have stipulations on that, too, of how much these licenses. If you really want to open a casino here, we're going to let you, but you're going to reap the, we're going to reap the rewards of you opening that uh, casino. And I think O'Hare is a very not politically charged arena. Um, Rivers Casino might be a little upset because they're across the street. But I was going to bring that up. But you know what? It's a, very, it's a neutral spot. We can bring revenues in. And we're not putting new casinos in, you know, lower economic areas, which take advantage of people. But getting past Rivers Casino and uh, I think also the horse racing industry has been uh, some. And so that you would also have the Arlington Heights uh, or the Arlington Park yeah. up there. Uh, that's they've had a pretty powerful lobby and you do have to deal with lobbyists yeah. who are spending a lot of money. Yeah. The black the black money, as they say. Right. And that's just something we have to fight. 
And we've seen movements in this United States and, and even in Illinois change when people get involved and people get vocal. And those lobbyists, they have to sit back and unfortunately, you know, do nothing. They'll fight, 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 but people, people are stronger than a corporation. Uh, let's talk about some of the other positions that you've taken. You want to strengthen unions and raise the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say to business people who warn that higher minimum wages could be another thing that keeps businesses from locating here? Yeah. So I pay my employees start out at $14 an hour. It's because I'm have, I'm, I've been successful and businesses have been successful. So I pass that on to my employees and they deserve that. I know most businesses can't do that right away, and I see that minimum wage increasing over the next five, six years. Um, what we can do, and harbor again, new business within the state, is what I talked about before, which is the tax credits. And you can, if you give tax credits to, to corporations and also small businesses, they can afford to hire people at a higher rate because they can afford to do that. And I think that would suffice and we'd have plenty of warning time for those businesses to be able to um, figure things out of how they're going to afford those, um, that increase. Another uh, issue, school fund, though, let's, let's yeah. talk about this because this is in the headlines even as we yeah. are talking about it. And on Monday, the legislature will, or at least the Illinois House, will go back into session to consider uh, a school funding measure, a compromise school funding measure. First off, how optimistic are you about that tentative agreement from what you've heard about it up mm-hmm. to this point. Yeah, I'm very optimistic at this point. See, the thing about Bruce Rauner is he gets 90% of what he wants and then complains about the last 10%. That doesn't show you a man that likes to compromise. And the only thing that he's held back on, which a lot of Republicans like to do for limitations, limiting voting rights, limiting um, you know funding, is that people abuse the system. There's this massive conspiracy of people taking welfare funds illegally, massive conspiracy of TIF grants, a massive conspiracy of um, just improper use of funds, but they provide, or voter fraud, and they provide no evidence. Um, I think they've come to a compromise. I, there's a lot of, the, the formula that's in place right now does a disservice to the rest of the state. It funds pretty much Cook County and Chicago. Great, I love kids to learn and, and grow up there, but you know, Illinois is not just Cook County and Chicago, and I think the new system is very fair. There's a review process every year and everything. I went to one of the best high school, public high schools in the state of Illinois, which is Adlai Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire. And I was, every referendum we had passed, everything was great. And I want that same education and the same funding for kids of all, you know, give, give kids the opportunity. If they want to take that opportunity, great. If they don't, great. But we're giving them the first, we're giving them that opportunity and if they take it, if, take it or leave it. And everyone should start off the same foot. Uh, there's some talk, uh, the reports we were hearing was of either something like school vouchers or some other way, I'm hearing mm-hmm. scholarships, uh, to aid children uh, or people with uh, children in private or religious schools. What's your feeling about that kind of a program? And, and yeah. the last time, the last thing we were hearing was it was maybe a tax credit for people who, who, donated to scholarships it's some so that yeah. it's not directly going to the school. Well, if you want to put your child in a uh, private uh, school and or, or um, let's say a Catholic school or anything like that, that's totally up to you to do that. And you should be able to do that. But I don't think state funding should go to pay for that. It's your choice. You decided not to put your kids through public school. Okay, great. We're not going to pay for your child to go to a different school. And that's just simple as that. And they're, they're totally free to do that. I don't disagree. But 
I didn't think the state should be funding that. Is there, uh, besides the, uh, mm-hmm. the gun issue, uh, is there any other issue where you would say you part company with the Democratic, with the regular Democratic Party? I think the only way right now is, is taxes. And I understand that their taxes do good. They provide services for people. They provide social services. They provide education. They provide health care. They provide fire and, and police services. But where I disagree, and I, I don't know why I disagree with my current uh, Democratic colleagues, is that all the tax burdens on the, the middle class and the poor. High sales taxes do not affect the rich. They affect the poor. And look at Cook County. Look at uh, Chicago. High sales taxes. High property taxes. They don't affect the rich. They can get out of those taxes. You saw that with J.B. Prisker, right? He condemned a mansion. So they can get out of those. The only thing they can't get out of is income taxes, yet everyone still pays the same rate. So I, it's weird that I disagree with that because those should be, Democrats should be protecting the poor and the middle class, but their actions, unfortunately, have not shown that. So I'm technically with my Democratic values, but the current party in Springfield is not executing what it should be. So that's where I disagree a little bit. But then does... Does the existence of a system like that that seems to violate or, or, or go against what would be traditional Democratic Party values, what does that tell you about the system of government in Springfield? I mean, is that because of lobbyists? Is that because of individuals? What, what's going on? There? Corporations have taken over, and they've taken over the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton should have ran away with that election. Bernie Sanders should have ran away with that election. There's no excuse that Donald Trump won. And they did it to themselves because they didn't have a clear vision. They didn't tell how they were going to help the middle class, how they were going to help the poor. And they lost, unfortunately, to that. And I still feel that corporations and Tory Booker and um, Bernie Sanders had a bill that you can buy um, medication in Canada. The 12 uh, Republican senators voted for it. 13 Democrats voted against it. And what, what ties those Democrats to is all the drug companies that influence and pay their money. And that's Tory Booker and, and some other Democratic colleagues. So the, the corporations have not only come from the Republican side, but have seated themselves deeply in the Democrats. And unfortunately, that dictates a lot of their policy that they should, you know, just dictates a lot of their policy today. Um, last thing I want to ask, yeah. one of the last things I want to ask about, I think, uh, is... Uh, how do you tackle the state's pension debt? It's a crippling debt. And mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got 20, what is likely to be $20 billion in unpaid bills that have built up because of the lack of a state budget for the first three years of uh, uh, Bruce Rauner's yeah. administration. So first we have to refinance, and uh, Ms. Mendoza is trying to do that right now. That's how we get rid of some of the interest. Now, I think I secretly think Bruce Rauner wanted us to go without a debt or without a budget because the, the bonds of Illinois become cheaper and cheaper. And if Illinois, let's say, goes bankrupt, his rich friends are the ones going to benefit because the United States is not going to let a state fail. Let's put it that way. And he was driving these bonds cheaper and cheaper. But um, what we have to do with pensions is that if you're promised a pension, it's immoral for us to say, well, we screwed up. Sorry. All that money you put in, it's gone. You know, it's immoral to do that. If you're promised a pension, you should get a pension. Now, what can you do? Some individuals are asking for 401k buyouts because they're afraid of their money. Let them do that if they want to at a certain rate and do that so it doesn't shock the system, right? We can't have everyone buy out all of a sudden and shock the system. And then new entrants, we need some reform and new entrants coming to the workplace to restructure their pensions and how much they're taken and, um, and 
we just kind of got to chug through it and get through it. And um, that's how we do it and bring more people to the state so that we can reduce that debt that we have. How concerned are you that uh, the Supreme Court will thwart some of this? You always, yeah, I, I can understand that, but we just got to hope and pray and provide protections. I mean, there's reasons that we're individual states is providing protections against the federal government and their ways of doing things. And I think there's ways to get around that. That is Democratic gubernatorial hopeful Alexander Petarakis. Uh, thanks for spending the half hour with us. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. You can follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of Ad Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.